Good morning and welcome to Thompson Presbyterian Church. Uh, I have a few announcements. One, we'd like to recognize Dr. Charles Edgar for being in the pulpit this morning and giving a, a very insightful program on CHS Pakistan, the Christian hospital there, and uh, what opportunities for us. So if you miss that this morning during the Sunday school hour, there is a nursing scholarship program brochure and a, uh, also a doctor's brochure back in the back on the small table. And we'd like you to look over that. Uh, it's $100 a month, $1,200 a year. We'll scholarship a nursing student. And uh, in, in Pakistan, that is, that is a difference in abject poverty and becoming an RN. Imagine the difference. So I just want to let you know about that. Our scripture this morning, it's a short passage. In Isaiah 49, verse 13. Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Let's stand together as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's my pleasure this morning to introduce the Reverend Charles Edgar. His wife, Miss Joyce, is sitting up front here. Uh, Dr. Charles Edgar Jr. has been pastor and is now Pastor Emeritus of Prosperity ARP Church, Taft, Tennessee, for 45 years. He has served on and chaired a number of boards and committees of our denomination. He served as moderator of the General Senate from 2007 to 2008 and was awarded the Doctor of Divinity degree from Erskine Seminary in 2011. Charles and Joyce have six children, 17 grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. He is now serving as the English pastor of the Han Mom ARP Korean Church in Madison, Alabama. His ministry is bivocational and includes a private investigation service and real estate interest. We uh, look forward to having him with us and thank you very much for serving in the pulpit today. Thank you for the introduction and thank you again for the invitation to be here. Uh, we've looked forward to it and, and enjoyed it. Uh, I want to look this morning at uh, passage Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and then in uh, Matthew 28, the, uh, let's see, 18th through the 20th. In the past, 
God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior, superior to theirs. And then the Matthew passage is familiar to all of us, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the earth. Before we uh, go to, to the uh, message, let us look first to God in prayer. Almighty God, again we come before you with thankful hearts that you are the living God. And our Father, we thank you for this, the Word of God, uh, given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit working in men. And Lord, today we would pray uh, that your Spirit would be upon us to proclaim this Word in errant, infallible the rule of faith and practice for our lives. Uh, apply it to us, and as we speak it through us, we pray in Jesus. Some years ago, I was preaching a sermon, and it involved that passage from Genesis that says that we are made in the image of God. I began searching through that. I read all of the uh, commentaries and this and that and the other. And there's lots of good things about many things that it's just hard to get yourself around. Primarily, it spoke concerning the spiritual nature and, and some of those kind of things. And I was looking for something maybe a little more concrete. Well, I found an interesting passage given to us by an author, uh, a novelist, not a theologian. His name is Walker Percy. He was a fairly popular novelist in the late 30s, 40s, and 50s. And uh, he, I, I have no idea what his spiritual background was. I know he, uh, he, he really thought evolution was sort of silly. But uh, he wrote this that just gra grabbed me, really. He said, this is his, he had a little book called The Message in the Bottle. And this, he says, what does it entail to be a speaking creature? That is, a creature who names things and utters sentences about things 
which other similar creatures understand and misunderstand. Why is it that every normal man on earth speaks, that is, can utter an unlimited number of sentences in a complex language, and not one single beast has ever uttered a word? Why are there not some higher animals which have acquired a primitive language? Why are there not some lower men who speak a crude primitive language? Why is there no such things as a primitive language? Even the Stone Age people in Borneo and those places speak of rather complex tongue. Why is there such a gap between non-speaking animals and speaking man when there is no other such gap in nature. How can a child learn to speak a language in three years without anyone taking the trouble about it? That is, utter and understand an unlimited number of sentences while a great deal of time and trouble is required to treat, uh, teach a chimpanzee a few hand signals. Why is it that scientists who know a good, great deal about the world know less about language than about the backside of the moon, even though language is the one observable behavior which most clearly sets man apart from the beasts, and the one activity in which all men, scientists included, engage more than in any other? Why is it that scientists know a good deal about what it is to be an organism in an environment, but very little about what it is to be a creature who names things and utters and understands sentences about things? Why is it that scientists have a theory about every other thing under the sun, but do not have a theory of man? Is it possible that a theory of man is nothing more than less than a theory of the speaking. And I thought, you know, we uh, have so many people that equate us and want us to show the similarity between us and the animal kingdom. And there are a great number of uh, similarities. Uh, one year when our children were small, we were sitting around the table and the National Geographic had come in and had a big picture of an ape on the front, and I said, they put my face on the cover of the National Geographic. And so I held it up, I said, well, there's my nose and my eyes. Uh, we are very similar to the animal kingdom, so much so uh, that some of the folks who are practicing vegans or whatever they're called, something that I, I've often thought I'd like to be, except when I see a good steak or, or ribs and then I fall apart. But uh, they think that they're eating their cousin or something like that. Um, you know, gee, we, the whole sacrifice system puts that aside. Uh, but at any rate, there are just a great number of similarities, and this is the distinguishing mark of human beings. And then if you go one step further and, and use that as a, a hermeneutic or a, a 
go through the word with that idea, it's just unbelievable uh, what the Bible says about being the word. Uh, creation, God said this, God spoke and it was so. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, even in our passage. Uh, it, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Uh, the Bible begins in Genesis with the words of God that create the world, and it ends with, I think, a rather uh, remarkable passage uh, at Revelation 21, where God, uh, as the bride of Christ comes down, speaks, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes and so on. So you can go through and it speaks that. And, and the Bible takes all of that between those two bookends and it really is the story of the covenant, that popular word uh, among Presbyterians, covenant theology. I will be your God and you will be my people. Uh, God finishes up with those words that, that summarize all he has been doing with his people. You know, it would have been fair, equitable, just, that the Bible ended at uh, Genesis uh, 3.12. When Adam and Eve confessed their sin, God had told them in the law that it was over. They would die if they... But by God's grace, he goes on and gives us those words of grace. You have to excuse me, but I've got to tell you a little something about that Garden of Eden experience. I heard one day that it that was sort of sad that Adam and Eve were Cajuns because if they'd been Cajuns, they'd have grabbed that snake, barbecued it, and we wouldn't be in the trouble that we're in right now. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> At any rate, God speaks that phrase, I will be your God and you shall be my people, is quoted specifically in at least 46 times those identical words from Genesis through the prophets, through the poets, through the New Testament, through the apostles, uh, through the epistles, all the way to the end of the Bible. And words similar to that are probably three or four hundred times used. God spoke that, he gave that promise by language that we can understand and that's where we are. This uh, beginning statement in the book of Hebrews is really an amazing statement uh, that God spoke to us. Uh, we are the only creatures on the face of the earth that God speaks to. 
And he gives us that ability to communicate with us. He, he gives us the word of God written, the Bible, which is his word to us. And he gives us the opportunity to go before him and, and put out everything that's on our heart, whether it's in the right shape, the right form, the right words, we can express ourselves in prayer. So we communicate with God through prayer, the spoken word. God communicates to us through his word. We are absolutely blessed. And as Walker Percy points out, we really, really take that for granted. Who ever thinks about what it is to speak the word of God? It's interesting that right after Hebrews comes the book of James, and James tells us what power the tongue is, that it can be used to praise God, and it can be used to curse your fellow man who are made in the, uh, the image of God. So my first point is so heavy. God communicates with us by his word, through his word, and with us through the word that he allows us uh, for it to happen. Um, in Psalm 33, 19, uh, there are great words about the entire creation. He spoke and it came to be. And it can be applied to creation and just to all of life itself. Now, I chose this because I, I, it's supposed to have been a, a Mission Sunday, and I want to make it. You were supposed to have a missionary here, uh, but what, what then is the message that God has given to us? What, what is it? We've talked about the covenant and so forth, but what specifically are we supposed to look at? We, we know that, that great passage, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, with, was God, and the Word was with God. All things were made by him. Uh, just great, powerful words that we have, his message to us. And the reason that I wanted to... Uh, uh, to get into this matter of what God is saying to us is because he spoke to us in the other couple of verses that we've read that we know as the Great Commission. Now, I, uh, I, I checked this all out. I, I confess uh, I've struggled with foreign languages uh, since high school. I, well, I had a little bit of smattering of Latin in high school, took German, uh, failed French in college, uh, took Greek and Hebrew and struggled because I was a playboy in high school and I, I didn't learn English. <laughs> so I, I didn't, but, but I remember a, a lesson in, uh, on the Great Commission. We translated it, most of the translations, as go ye therefore. But it's a participle, and don't pin me down too much, but it is a participle, and it's an action verb, and it really properly could be translated 
as you are going. So we have a whole group of missionaries here today. We're all missionaries. It, it doesn't require having a mission board and doing all that we do. We should be engaged in this matter of proclaiming the word of God. Now, many people, psychologists and all those people who uh, study people will tell you that probably the greatest fear that people have is speaking to unknown people. Uh, if I tell you you need to go out now and witness the gospel, you, you clutch. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Well, you know, I am not a theologian and so on and so forth. Uh, we recited the Apostles' Creed this morning. Uh, it, was, it was really formulated a couple of hundred years, several hundred years uh, after Jesus was here. The earliest creedal statement uh, that people used, the early Christian church used, was uh, uh, the creedal statement, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is God. That's, that's the statement. And we have, we have the scripture, and we complicate it in every way possible. We make it hard. Uh, we make it so that you're sitting here today, well, I don't know enough about it. I need to be fed the word. I need to this, that, and the other. But you know, everything in the Old Testament does two things. Number one, it shows how sinful we are. Uh, and number two, it points, almost everything that happens, points to Jesus. Uh, I read one statement that said there are at least 500 predictive statements in the Old Testament, all pointing to Jesus. And at the end of the book of John, the last gospel, uh, we read about miracles, we read about the life of Jesus, uh, but it, there's a summary in John chapter 20 at verse 30. A summary of everything that's done in that three-year ministry of Jesus. And it's really pretty simple. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in him. You really don't need to be a great student, study three and four years, and this, that, and the other, to know what it is you're supposed to tell other people. Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He was the one promise. He is the means of grace that God provided when we had sinned and in the Garden of Eden. We didn't have a barbecue. We, we, uh, that's where it should have ended, but God graciously begins this plan of salvation. Now, we think that it's taken a long time, and we, if you're like me, hope that Jesus will come again. 
they tell a little story about me that I went to a, a, a neighborhood Bible study when that great technological uh, gift that we had was the flannel board. <laughs> and, you know, we, we didn't have videos and this and that and the other. And the lady pinned that up, but they, they told stories. And I was little. The rest of the kids were probably a bit older than I was. I was probably not about four or five years old. And apparently I wandered over to the window and I kept looking out the window and finally the teacher said, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking to see. And, and I've, been, I've been hoping that'll happen in my lifetime ever since, ever since I was that. Uh, but that's the message. That's the simple message. What are we supposed to believe? You know, I, I ask that we recite the Apostles' Creed because that's really, most of us know it by heart. That's really what we need to know. That's a summary statement of Christianity. Uh, mentioned in the little introduction that we uh, dealt in real estate, we had some apartments. And there was one time we had two four-unit apartment buildings next to each other, eight apartments. And here I am, a preacher. Four of the occupants of the eight apartments were go-go girls. And, oh, most of them are, you know, I hate to say it, but they, they were pretty dumb. <laughs> they, 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 were, they weren't the quickest things in the world. But there was one girl that I got talking to, and, and, and I worked with her a while, and this, that, and the other. And she had a sister who was also working on her. Her sister was Pentecostal. And we talked about it, and she said, well, my sister said that I've got to get away from the lipstick and I can't work at this place and that. I said, you know, first of all, you've got to deal with who you are before. I said, that's, that's the important thing. Not the lipstick, not, the, not where you are. I mean, that's it. Now I said, when this happens, I said, it may change you and you see a lot of things in your lifestyle that you won't want to do. But uh, you just, uh, God has given this, this simple message that Jesus is Lord, that, uh, that probably that early statement might have been less complicated if we'd have just gone with that. And we just tell people, you know, you've got to make Jesus Lord, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the head of your life. And that's probably our big problem today in the United States of America. Uh, we have been, we've been talking about a virus since what? December, January. There are no telling. I mean, 24 hours a day, uh, day and night. You can't turn, you can't turn the TV on <clears throat> with either hearing about that or some other political thing. Words, words, words. Well, this expert, you find, uh, and the, you know, we have this disease that nobody knows anything about, where it came from, really what it is. We don't have anything to go by. But suddenly, there are a plethora of experts who are willing to tell us this is this, and this is this. They're experts on what we don't know, really, in a sense. How many words? 
have we heard about our relationship to God and that God is in charge and that what we need to be is ready to go see God and that if by God's uh, plan it's time for me to die and, and go on to glory, that is his will. So what am I worried about? And I learned that from good old Martin Luther. But that's the important thing, that he rules our life. We were with our grandchildren Friday night, and we got talking about it. They all went to Christian school, and they're good, solid Christian kids. And they were talking about parents witnessing to the Lord. And one of, the, one of our grandsons said, you know, there, there are so many parents that just beat on their kids. Uh, Bible verse this, that, and the other. I said, let me tell you, I, I worked a while, three or four or five years, at Choose Life, and I would deal with the uh, males that came in with the girls who needed help and try to minister to, to them. Well, there was one fellow that came in, and he was totally atypical. He, he was really versed in scripture. He knew everything I could tell him. He was a nurse practitioner. Uh, they really wanted to take advantage of the, the free ultrasound. And so I, I gave him this and gave him that, and he, he knew as much and more as I did. And finally I said, what is it that, uh, that you want out? I said, what, what, what are you looking for out of, of my instruction? He said, I want to raise my children right. He said, I want to hear what anybody has to say about that. Well, we, uh, uh, my deceased wife was the first teacher at Westminster Christian Academy in Huntsville. And we had become affected. We, neither one of us had ever thought about Christian schools. But we went one weekend and heard a presentation. When that was over, we were, had to have a Christian school. And it was primarily based around Deuteronomy 6, teach it to their children as they lie down, as they rise up, and as they go by the way. And I said, you know, I said, you're expressing something that I've thought for years. Too many parents try to jam things and, and, and make, almost make it rigid in, in the instruction. I said, you know, there are two groups of people, and you can translate this into Georgia, but I said, in Alabama, the two groups of people who have really gotten a hold of the concept that's in Deuteronomy 6. I said, their end result is out, it's wrong. But I, they got the concept down. And I said, they're called Auburn fans and Alabama fans. I said, a kid grows up in an Alabama household and they just become Alabama fans because it's a way of life. And they become an Auburn fan, it's a way of life. And I said, we need to raise our children just because they're Christians and they know the way of life. I said, I remember one day when I, one of my daughters came in and 
William did so and so and so and so, and the next time he does that, I'm going to bop him over. I said, well, that's the only Christian thing to do. <laughs> and and, and it, she knew immediately I was being, and, but it's, it's, just, it's just part of being in life, being. Now, what, what are we to do as missionaries? Uh, how do we handle it? What do we have to study? What, what program do we have to have? How do we go about it? How can we save souls? Well, a lot of these programs, I, I sold real estate for several years. And, <clears throat> you know, I went to sales schools. And sales school <clears throat> teach you that what you have to do is, is go for the closing. Everything you're doing is working to close the deal. And uh, that's not what we are to do as the disciples, to make disciples. Uh, we may speak to 100 people. Uh, we may never hear the results. Uh, we just proclaim, and he rules over whatever comes to pass. Now, things can happen in any number of ways. Probably most of you and got where I was in maturity. <laughs> I probably have almost everybody beat here, but uh, um, but at any rate, feel like well, you know, we've raised our children. We we don't have that. It's not our lifestyle. But one of the interesting things that happened to me. I, I've got three illustrations that I want to share before I close. Um, the fall of the USSR. Uh, Gorbachev, when he, uh, when he finally took down the wall and did all those things that Reagan said to do, uh, admitted that he really had Christian, and he said it was because of his grandmother. Well, we had a Russian exchange student for a year. Uh, her mother was a buyer for a department store in Moscow, and in order to go to all these places in Europe to buy, uh, she had to be a member of the party. So they were born and bred communists. But she told me that she had become a Christian because of her grandmother. And then we had another girl who was my uh, niece's interpreter when she went to give her testimony in Russia. She came and stayed with us several times. And she was talking and she told us that when all of this was going on, her grandmother gave her Christianity. Well, a few years later, after, after USSR failed, uh, Ukraine had a program, the churches had a program called Commission, and lots of missionaries went to the Ukraine. And one of our uh, ARP missionaries went there, and a, and a friend of ours in Huntsville uh, she and her husband went over there. Well, the ARP girl came to our house one day and we took her to lunch with, she knew the girl from Huntsville. So we got together, we were talking, and I, I mentioned the grandmother ministry. And they both said, you know, that story is all over the Ukraine. Apparently Christianity was held together during those 80 years when the communists were trying to wipe out Christianity by the grandmothers. So we all 
can, as we are going, the opportunities will come up in really unusual ways. We went, the first time, went to uh, Pakistan. We had a, a six-hour layover in Dubai. And we, there was a fellow from up near Nashville who was on the plane with us. He was an engineer there, but he was a Pakistani. And he buddied up with us. And we, be, we told him what we were doing, and we began to get interested. He said, now how do you, what do you say to Muslims to convince them? I said, well, you know, this, I had heard this from our missionaries. Uh, Muslims look forward to arguing. That's all they want to do is argue about the faith. So it's, it's a really, really strong works religion. And I said, what they have to see is grace. And he said, <laughs> I have a sort of a loud voice. He said, kind of keep it down. He said, there's a lot of crazy people around here. But it was, I never thought I'd have an opportunity. I, how was I supposed to minister to Muslims? And here, he made it happen. So, you know, it just happens. And then the third illustration is your life circumstances. Everybody has life circumstances. Somebody mentioned kidney disease this morning. Uh, Joyce and I were young widows, and uh, I was 34, she was 32. I had three children, five, six, and eight. She had seven and nine. And then we had one about six or eight years later, something down the pike. But we had these six children. <clears throat> well, my three children from my first marriage have a thing called polycystic kidney their kidneys fail. Well, my son, who lives in Columbia, was the first one, and his wife gave him a kidney. And then my daughter in Birmingham had one, and her husband gave her a kidney. And then the other daughter, who lives in Huntsville, uh, came along, and her husband was a match. But he was a little bit big, and his blood pressure was borderline. His weight was borderline and his blood pressure. And finally UAB says, we don't, we think it's just too borderline. Well, then she had to go on the donor list and she was about 800th on the donor list. And it really, we, she had a couple of people who volunteered and for one reason or another, it didn't work. But uh, we didn't know where we were going. She got ready to start getting get on the machine and put the, fistula in or where we put it and uh, she was already going dialysis and one Saturday morning I got up and my son-in-law was in the driveway he said wait here he said Margie saw Joyce and she went to get her we, she wants to talk to you together well we had this blended family when we you just I mean you've heard it said but it's really true you just forget whose children are what. I mean, they really become your own. And Margie came up and she said, uh, I'm going down next week to see if I am a match. Well, Margie was not, the three children were in my first wife's genetic line. She didn't have the problem. And we were just over, we really never thought about Margie. 
we were overwhelmed. Uh, we choked, both of us choked up and teared up. And so I stood and I said, when he said you wanted to get both of you together, I thought you were going to tell us you were pregnant again. And she said, if that was the case, I'd be the one crying. <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, I have used over and over again the fact that both of us tell the story. When our spouses died, it, was, it ripped us apart. Uh, she was with, she heard, six-year-old, seven-year-old, no, he was about four then. Uh, her husband died three years before we met. Uh, he was little, and she got off the phone and just, she said, you're never going to see your daddy again. She's, and then she, she was guilty for years, thinking that she uh, had just hurt the boy. Well, bless his heart, both of her sons are just so great. He calls me dad, and her other boy calls me daddy. <laughs> what a blessing. But all of that to say, <clears throat> uh, I've been able to tell people when they're trouble. When my wife died, it was just, I, it wrenched me. I, it, it had taken me a long time. I, I was such a goof off that she wasn't sure that I was great husband material. And... Uh, so we finally got married, and then, then, I mean, I had wanted to marry her from a week or two after I met her. Uh, and then it happened, and she was gone. It was devastating. I tell people now, in, in all of that, if Jenny hadn't died, now this is theoretical, it's human, it's not God. We're, it's God operates another, on another plane. But theoretically, if she hadn't died, uh, she, uh, Margie would never be, I wouldn't have married Joyce, Margie wouldn't have been in the world to give uh, Katie the kidney. And, and so you have the opportunity, this is the way God's worked in our lives. Uh, we don't have to be great theologians. Jesus Christ is Lord. So... Uh, uh, that's, that's the great message that we have to share as missionaries. So I uh, close with that. It's interesting that we did the, the study in Hebrews the last few months, and then James comes right after that. And uh, I want to close with what I call uh, James... Uh, altar call. In James 3.10, uh, he talks about this, uh, this matter of speech and tongue and so forth. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, my brothers, this should not be. And that's <laughs> one of the commentators that I read pointed that out. That's a great altar call. That's not the way our lives should be. We need to live life with that idea that Jesus Christ is Lord and rules every part of our life. Our hope is not in the vaccine. Our hope is not in an IRA. Our hope is not in all of the things that most people in our country talk about, in our culture. Our hope is in his Lord.
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we give thanks for the Word of God. And Lord, we thank you that you have made us where we can communicate with you in prayer in spite of the fact that we overlook that communication in our lives. We thank you for the Bible, God's Word, which we do not pay enough attention to. And Lord, we pray that we would remind ourselves again and again that Jesus is Lord and that this is the answer for our lives. And this is the message that we have to tell to make disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now receive the Lord's benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all till we meet again. Amen.